0: I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America.
1: Let's start at the beginning.
0: And to the Republic, which it
1: stands. We live in a great country. Freedom, patriotism. We're going to the root of the challenge we face. One nation under God. I'm a second class citizen. It's not about the flag. You have
2: to defend it. People who fought and died
1: for it. It's not about the military. We're going to listen, even when the talk turns uncomfortable. If you
3: don't like it here, leave. Until Black Lives Matter, not all lives are
4: mattering.
1: We're going to take in the opinions of others. Aim for a better understanding of the viewpoints of others. So many anarchists. Don't tell me
2: I have to live my life like you.
0: They take over for hate. You have this history here. Indivisible. You're beating people with the flag. But the country doesn't love you back. But liberty and justice wrong.
1: I'm Soledad O'Brien. Welcome to Matter of Fact. The American flag is a potent symbol that triggers strong feelings. It evokes everything from pride to protest, duty to disillusionment, allegiance to agony. This show explores all of it as we try to understand more clearly what it means to be an American. Our nation is becoming irreversibly diverse, but does that also mean we are irreversibly divided? Our special correspondent, Jessica Gomez, set off on a road trip across the middle of the country on I-70 from Denver to St. Louis to find out what people feel about their American identity.
5: We started our journey in Denver, Colorado, where the snow was melting under the shadows of the Rocky Mountains. Almost time for baseball season. We met Laura Heshmedi, picking up her son at practice. Are you tired? Oh yeah. And we're gonna add the marinade and the butter. And they goodness. invited us home for dinner, where we learned this American family is made up of a multitude of cultures. Heshmedi is a Persian last name. My husband is half Mexican, half Persian. I'm Mexican American. Thank you for nourishment, this food. Amen.
6: Amen. 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 We're talking
5: about uh what it feels like to be an American. The thought
2: process is that when you say America's a melting pot, Mm -hmm. that it actually devalues Mm -hmm. the different cultures that do make up America, Mm -hmm. and that the salad bowl analogy is better. Um, You're still a tomato, and you're a piece of lettuce, but you can still be friends, like something like that.
5: And with that, we set out to learn where others see themselves in this salad bowl that is America.
7: By me stepping in this country and walking freely in this country, I'm American.
5: On the way out of town, we popped in on Alejandro Flores Munoz, a gay, undocumented Mexican immigrant.
7: We make it almost like a masa, and uh, then we put it inside the taco.
5: The DACA recipient, whose mother brought him to the U.S. as a little boy, is now opening one of Denver's first cloud kitchens for online delivery only. His business, he says, makes him feel American. I want to now be
7: uh, in a position where I can showcase that I am paying taxes, that I am employing people, that I am building a company. I don't, I don't think words will showcase as much as action.
5: From Colorado to Kansas.
3: It used to be like uh, America was the land of opportunity, but now it just feels like it's the struggle.
5: We stopped in Hayes, with its Wild West roots, more than two dozen Christian churches and a lot of red, white, and blue.
3: It's hard to get the job, the career that you want, because once you fall down a whale, it's really hard to climb out.
5: Tristan Frump, in between manufacturing jobs. A rough childhood, he says, got in the way of his American dream of owning a car repair shop.
3: In my life, it's always been like that. It's like you're a certain class of person. And uh, when, when people put you down or put you in that label, it's really hard to imagine how your life could really be because everyone's telling you, you can't. It's like, uh, it's just like kills your confidence, kills the dream.
8: When we come back, our road trip across America continues. I feel like as most Americans view us as just, we're poor or we're dirty, or they don't even know that we're still alive. With a stop on the Prairie Band Potawatomi Nation Reservation.
4: And later, who built America? without those 16,000 Chinese workers, it would not have happened.
5: I feel like as most Americans view us as just, we're poor or we're dirty, or they don't even know that we're still alive. On the Prairie Band Potawatomi Nation Reservation.
0: How old
1: are you?
5: We happened upon this young family just starting out.
3: To me, being American means to practice your ceremonies and religion and languages. That means I'm Potawatomi. My Indian name means Big Wolf. I'm Thunder Clan, and my color is blue.
5: They tell me they're living the American dream here on the reservation. But for Mom Rosanna, it's complicated. As a woman, I'm kind of like not equal, as a Native American, I'm not equal. If I were a white woman, I think I would have it easier, and a lot of things would be easier. And I I think I would be heard more.
7: It means being heard, being able to express yourself and be authentic.
5: On to Kansas City, Missouri. As the sun set over the jazz district, we caught up with singer Jamie Chase. Her stage name, J Love. Music is my expression,
7: it's my love, it's my heart. It's God's gift. We asked, does she feel a sense of belonging? Musically, yes, but in my everyday life, no. You know, because if I'm in the, when I'm in the grocery store, everybody doesn't know that I'm J Love. You know what I'm saying? I don't look the same, I got my hat on, you know? I'm just another black person. And I still have people follow me around in Walmart. Sometimes I'm cool with it, sometimes I'm not nice about it. Sometimes I'm like, hey, did you know that it's probably not me that's stealing? Black lives, they matter to me. The mother of two young Black men, she wrote a song called Black Lives Matter. Right now, I just... I don't... I'm fearful. Every time my kids leave out the door, I'm fearful. Where are you going? Who are you with? Oh,
8: God, please let my baby come
7: home. Some of my white friends will say, on, No, that's not happening. Oh, come on, it's not that bad. Or this just hurts me to the core when my white friends say, You know, you just need to stop talking about it. You know, if you just talk about it too much.
4: It doesn't feel like there's a lot of compromise because we don't spend time understanding the other perspectives.
5: From Kansas City to St. Louis, in the suburbs, retired Navy pilot, Kevin McLaughlin.
4: You know, spending 31 years in the military and deploying six times, the answer is I feel most American when I'm not in America. Um and seeing how other countries and other cultures live, uh, and it really makes you appreciate what you have.
5: McLaughlin, who led the missing man formation as President George H.W. Bush was laid to rest, says his years in the military taught him the value of all that makes up this country.
4: The whole is much greater than the pieces that,
0: that put it all together. Things that happen to me sometimes, you may normalize it, it's like, oh, well, that's just America. But when you see your children, you're like, oh no, we gotta stop this.
5: Our final stop, this African American children's bookstore, also outside of St. Louis.
0: I can travel through time, all through a book, and I can see myself in that.
5: IT manager and former attorney Jeffrey Blair and his wife Pamela opened I See Me five years ago, inspired by what their children, now in college, we're missing.
0: There are times in my life, times in my children's life, where there have been incidents that would take place that would make us question whether America values us. Are we full citizens, really, that, or are we here just as bystanders? All right, this is one of my favorite books. It's called The Undefeated. This is for the unforgettable, the swift and sweet ones, the ones who hurdled history and opened a world of possibilities. I think one of the things is the possibility going forward, the possibility of hope, the possibility of change. I think the idea of expanding the notion of freedom and who it applies to, to be the collective and not just the few, that is what can give greatness to the ideals of what America supposedly stands for.
5: Along I-70,
8: I'm Jessica Gomez. When we come back, How the building of the Transcontinental Railroad changed America. It
4: linked us physically, emotionally, financially for the very first time ever.
8: And later, Pulitzer Prize winner Nicole Hannah-Jones on her father's America.
9: My father was like generations of black people who uh, believed that service to their country was how they could finally get treated and recognized as full citizens.
1: The debate over who is and who gets to be an American citizen is as old as the nation itself. Photos bear witness to the painful struggles of African-Americans, indigenous peoples, and immigrant groups seeking to belong. They also bear witness to their contributions. Enslaved African-Americans who built our monuments to democracy, Iron workers from the six nations of the Iroquois raised and riveted the beams of New York's iconic buildings. Perhaps the building of the Transcontinental Railroad represents one of the most important contributions of immigrants. Their story is told by our special correspondent, Ray Suarez.
6: As the Civil War moved to its end, two massive construction projects picked up speed. Immigrants and discharged soldiers headed west, laying track across the plains, starting in Iowa, while a workforce of largely Chinese immigrants laid track eastbound from Sacramento across the Sierra Mountains. The 1900-mile route connected Western pastures to Midwestern stockyards and Great Plains farms to Great Lakes mills. But when the tracks were finally joined on May 10, 1869, here in Promontory Point, Utah, a closer look shows not one Chinese worker in the historic photograph, out of more than 16,000. Russell Lowe told me he didn't grow up knowing about his family's connection to this great 19th-century drama.
4: In fact, a lot of the story of my great grandparents wasn't known. This is 150 years ago. A great uncle
6: was celebrating his 100th birthday.
4: My sister walked up to him with her video camera running and she says, Tell me about your father, Uncle Kim. And he proceeded to break into a lecture at 100, unrehearsed, about the transcontinental railroad. And at the end, he said, uh, They got a lot of Chinese to come over here, and amongst them was my father and my uncle. Digging into his family history, Lowe found this photo, his
6: great-grandfather, the railroad worker, in 1903. Many died. Many were blinded or crippled by years of tunneling through mountains and building bridges spanning great valleys. Once the railroad was built, these workers found their sacrifice hadn't earned a welcome from their new country.
4: In 1882, they passed this infamous Chinese Exclusion Act. If you were here, you could never become a citizen. The most offending thing for many of these Chinese was that they had been here for decades, and they could never, ever vote, could not become a citizen. And in addition, if they ever left this country, you could never come back. And what that did was it separated families, not for a couple weeks or a couple months, but for hundreds of years.
6: And the Chinese Exclusion Act hung on until World War II. Would you like to see the way we teach history changed so that the story is a fuller story to answer that
4: question, who built America? That railroad they built truly changed this nation. Without those 16,000 Chinese workers, it would not have happened. It linked us physically, emotionally, financially for the very first time ever. And it had tremendous impact. And we went from being able to take a cross-country trip of six months in a wagon train to just you know six days. That's phenomenal. I'm Ray Suarez. Coming
8: up, the founder of the New York Times 1619 Project, Nicole Hannah-Jones.
9: People seem to forget is black Americans were fighting in wars to democratize other countries and then coming home and facing brutal suppression of their own democratic rights here.
8: And later, meet the man who came to this country as a child and now. 40 years later, is still living undocumented in the only country he's ever known.
1: I want to read you a passage of an essay printed in the New York Times magazine, a story of a young black girl growing up on the black side of an Iowa town. At the edge of our lawn, high on an aluminum pole, soared the flag, which my dad would replace as soon as it showed the slightest tatter. THAT LITTLE GIRL GREW UP TO BE A PULITZER PRIZE-WINNING JOURNALIST, WRITING ABOUT AMERICA'S RACIAL DIVIDE AND ISSUES OF RACIAL JUSTICE. IN THE PROCESS, CREATING THE ACCLAIMED NEW YORK TIMES 1619 PROJECT. I'M TALKING ABOUT NICOLE HANNAH-JONES. YOU WRITE ABOUT YOUR DAD FLYING THAT FLAG, AND YOU TALK ABOUT THE DUALITY, RIGHT, THAT HE'S IN MISSISSIPPI, WHICH HAS THIS, this TRACK RECORD OF TERRIBLE VIOLENCE AGAINST BLACK PEOPLE, BUT ALSO THAT HE LOVES AMERICA. <laughs>
9: I mean, my father was like generations of Black people who uh, believed that service to their country was how they could finally get treated and recognized as full citizens. People like to trot out stereotypes and statistics about Black people. Well, Black people are overrepresented in criminal justice system. Black people are overrepresented in out of wedlock births. But the one statistic that they never seem to bring out is that Black people are overrepresented in service to our country. That of all racial groups, we join the military and serve in the armed forces at the highest rates. Uh, and that is what my father did as well. And I think that's where people seem to forget is uh, black Americans were fighting in wars to democratize other countries and then coming home and facing brutal suppression of their own democratic rights here. And so that was a claim that black people made even during slavery, that you are not going to tell us we can't be citizens of our own country. You're not going to tell us that we can't claim ownership over this land. And very outwardly, he was sending that message.
8: Next on Matter of Fact. HE'S A BROADWAY PRODUCER AND AN EMMY-NOMINATED FILMMAKER, HERE TO TALK ABOUT HIS LIFE AS AN UNDOCUMENTED CITIZEN.
1: THESE PHOTOS OF BORDER CROSSINGS ALONG THE RIO GRANDE OF TEXAS TELL THE CONTINUING STORY OF IMMIGRATION. UNACCOMPANIED MINORS RISKING THEIR LIVES TO CROSS. To give voice to the undocumented, we enlisted a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, an Emmy-nominated filmmaker, a Tony-nominated producer, a man who grew up undocumented, who came to America as a child, and is now a leading voice for human rights for immigrants. He's the author of Dear America, Notes of an Undocumented Citizen. Jose Antonio Vargas. I
2: was doing an event in Wilmington, North Carolina, and after this event, I was talking to everybody. And this woman, elderly black woman, approaches me and she said, (laughs) Mr. Vargas. I said, yes, ma'am. And she had this bag and she pulled this piece of paper from her bag. It's really old and crumpled. And she said, Mr. Vargas, my great, great, great grandmother gave me this piece of paper. It was a bill of sale. (laughs) She was a slave her great-great-grandmother or great-great-great-grandmother. And she said, "Uh, can you tell me the difference between this piece of paper that she got and the pieces of papers that you and your people can't seem to get? This is bigger than pieces of papers, Mr. Vargas, she said. Think bigger. And she's right. And when I think back to that moment, I think back to the fact that The history of this country is so complex. Like, I can't talk to you about what it means to be an immigrant in this country without papers, without talking to you about, you know, black people and how black people in this country, who are citizens of this country, are still fighting to this day to be considered full citizens. Our stories are interconnected. And that elderly black woman is right. It is bigger than papers. It is bigger than laws. It's who we are as a society and who we want to be as a society.
1: Our thanks to all of our guests and all of you who watched. Please join us every weekend on Matter of Fact, where we always have conversations as diverse as America.
8: Be sure to check out our latest Matter of Fact listening tour, Promises of Change, at matteroffact.tv.